Live to see it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and I'm flying solo this evening in the virtual studio. This is the Friday before the 4th of July week, and summer vacation has started early for Stephen, and it's about to start for me. So we'll be uh, having a slow schedule next week, just two shows, but they're very, very special shows. On Tuesday, the 4th of July, we've got PJ Manny with us, and she's going to be coming back on Thursday, July 6th. So two brand new shows next week with PJ Manny. You're not going to want to miss those. Tonight's topic is our smartphones ourselves, and I've got three quick stories that I want to draw your attention to regarding this. You know, the devices that we carry with us have become increasingly important over the past few years, and it seems that virtually every day there is a new activity that requires a smartphone that that didn't used to. They've become more embedded in our lives, more intertwined in our social interactions, and more just kind of an extension and a part of ourselves than they've been before. We're going to talk a little bit about how that's changing and what the smartphone might be changing into. But I wanted to start with this very interesting story over on BuzzFeed about Amazon's new Echo Show. Echo Show says it's very cool and a little creepy. Talking about a great device, the Echo Show is, and in particular, talking about how easy it makes the whole calling experience, how easy it makes makes it, how natural, I, I guess, it, it makes it for people to video phone each other. The author takes the position, and I think this is true, that at one time, not that long ago, we had a pretty clear idea in our minds of what we thought video phones were going to be like. And the reality hasn't exactly worked out like that. The reality has been a little more stilted, a little more clunky, and a lot harder to get used to than what we saw in the movies back in the 60s and 70s about what what video phones were going to be like. Well, according to this piece, that problem has been addressed. This, This piece is by Matt Honan, by the way, at BuzzFeed. And according to Matt, the video phone has been perfected now with Amazon's Echo Show. And maybe it's a little too perfect. One of the things that Matt talks about in this piece is the drop-in feature. This is an opt-in feature for sure, but basically it makes it possible for anyone who has this device to look in on what someone else who has that device is up to. Uh, The use case that's given for it is those who are looking after older relatives. Ask them to enable drop-in and at any time you want to know how things are going, what's going on with them, you can just drop in and and have a look. And because it obviously requires the permission of the person being dropped in on, there is no immediate direct threat to privacy here, but the whole idea of simply connecting into someone else's house, seeing what they're doing, hearing what they're saying, having that kind of access is enough to give us a little bit of pause, I think. It's enough to make a stop and say, well, is this really the direction that we're looking for this kind of technology to go? Not 100% sure it is, but I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to be taking Amazon up on 
this new technology. Anyway, it's a great piece. Check it out. The link is here in the show notes. Amazon's new Echo Show is very cool and a little bit creepy. So we'll see which we'll see what wins that struggle there between the coolness and the creepiness. Is it is it in the end going to be something that people adopt because it's too cool not to have, or is it something that people will say, well, that sounds cool, but there's just something a little overbearing about that, and I'm not sure that that technology is right for me. That's something we'll have to keep an eye on. All right, our next story. In 10 years, your iPhone won't be a phone anymore. This was in the Wall Street Journal, and this projects a very interesting future, very interesting near future, for those of us who are quite attached to our iPhones. I think that as easily as we have gotten used to the idea of carrying such a small device around, carrying a device around that has become so integral to our lives, as easy as that has become, that's how difficult it may be to give up the iPhone paradigm. So they say, sure, Apple may still sell a glossy rectangle, um, although they predict at that point they may be thin and foldable or that they may roll up into scrolls like ancient papyri. Papyri, yeah. Uh, but it says the suite of apps and services that is today centered around the physical iPhone will have migrated to other more convenient and equally capable devices, a body area network. So we think about devices now like the watch. You think about things like Fitbits. One of the things they talk about here is a next generation replacement for Google Glass, basically a pair of eyeglasses that give you a VR experience or an AR virtual reality or an augmented reality experience and essentially let you access your information, access everything that's on your phone visually in a much less intrusive way than Google Glass made possible a few years ago. So if that happens, we're still going to be deeply embedded with these devices, or I should say these devices are still going to be deeply embedded in our lives. The difference here is going to be perhaps just that it won't be a phone the way we think of a phone. Of course, the devices that we call smartphones today are so different from what we used to think of as a phone anyway that that kind of a paradigm shift doesn't seem to be that big a deal. It doesn't seem to be something that people are going to have necessarily that hard of a time with. What's interesting is that the function of the iPhone then divides into all of these smaller devices and potentially these devices become even more embedded in our experience. Certainly taking up the entire visual field which is what a pair of glasses promises to do, which is what VR offers, and which is what AR offers, maybe not always taking up the entire visual field, but providing that overlay of information to the visual field, making us miss it when it's not there, making us always looking for that interaction with the device. You think about these pictures you see of people walking down the street with their rectangle in hand, and you can see this happening everywhere, cities all across the country, all around the world. Just watch people walking down the street. How many of them are holding this thing in front of them, looking at it? Well, you put the glasses on, and suddenly that interaction is no longer that visible. Maybe people will appear to be staring off into space somewhat, and they'll still be bumping into each other, and they'll still be, unfortunately, potentially walking out in front of cars. But by then, who knows, the cars may be autonomous, and they'll be better at uh, watching out for them. The point is, where today there's still a pull phone out of pocket, look down at phone, 
lift finger to phone, interact with phone. Imagine if you're wearing a pair of glasses and you're interacting with that phone with your eyes, interacting by seeing, interacting with the movements that you make with your eyes. That is a much more immersive experience even than we're having now. It's amazing, in fact, when you think about it, how immersed we can become in a small rectangle of plastic something that is really not much bigger than our hands most of us or even not even that big in in many cases something that can fit in the palm of your hand takes up your whole perception takes up virtually your entire visual perception blocks out input coming from other sources and becomes the sole focus of your attention something with a bigger footprint is only going to grab more of our attention. So if anything, this idea of the smartphone is no longer going to be a phone only means it's very likely that the smartphone is going to be more central to our experience, is going to take us farther away from the real world for better or for worse. And I think a lot of people are going to say that's probably not for better. And just become a more critical part of the lives we lead. The other thing they talk about in this story is Siri and how Siri will be kind of the conductor. Siri will be running this whole suite of devices and Siri will in effect become our interaction point, become our interface with the rest of the world around us. So in some instances we may be controlling what the computer does using our eyes, but in a lot of cases, we're still going to be talking. We're going to be talking to Siri, or we're going to be talking to some other Siri-like entity who knows us very well, who is very well connected to the information sources that we need to get to, very well connected to the other people in our lives, basically very well connected to our network, very well connected to our footprint in the digital world, able to navigate that very well, knows us very well, and is able to get us what we want in a way that maybe we can't even get for ourselves. Combine that with the fact that it's going to be taking up a much bigger part of our overall sense impressions, our, our overall everything that we're experiencing in the world. And you can see how the fact that the iPhone won't be a phone anymore isn't going to change the fact that the iPhone or whatever device we're using, is going to be a huge, huge part of our lives, a huge piece of how we interact with each other, how we interact with the web, how we work, how we play, how we do just about everything we do. And so the question is, is that all going to be for our benefit? Is that going to be for the benefit of the world? Is it going to make us better? Is it going to make the world better? Well, that leads us to the third story, our final story tonight. How technology-enabled selves improvement will drive the future of personal productivity. And this is over on TechCrunch, written by Michael Schrage, talking about technology-enabled selves improvement. And here we're going to get a little deeper into what Siri or Siri-like entities will be doing. Let me just read a little section from the beginning of this piece. Scheduling a meeting with a colleague? Siri can do that. Booking a business trip from New York to San Francisco? Google's mobile app delivers. Seeking traffic updates for your morning commute? Alexa and Cortana are acoustically at your servant service. Digital assistants and bots undeniably enhance our lives in myriad ways. They're terrific. 
Your wish is their command, and they literally acquire more skills every day. But are better bots and smarter software servants truly the best way to drive people's personal productivity? And the answer that Schrage comes up with is no. He says that we don't just want to surround ourselves with knowledge workers, or excuse me, surrounding knowledge workers with these increasingly capable digital assistants and bots. What we really want is selves improvement. That is to say, giving digital tools, techniques, and technologies that empower employees to craft high-performance versions of themselves. So he calls them selves that are smarter, bolder, more creative, more persuasive, and more empathic than one's typical or average self. So in other words, your Siri or your Cortana or your... Stephen and I were talking about this a few weeks ago. Ultimately, what we want this individual to be is our own entity, right? Someone that we know, not necessarily someone that everyone else is interacting with. Kind of like Jarvis is to Iron Man in the Iron Man movies. And for that to work best, according to Schrage here, what needs to happen is that entity needs to become a more focused, more capable, faster version of ourselves. So just as I was saying a few minutes ago about how Siri will know us very well, be very well versed in our digital footprint, this is this is really just an extension of that idea. This is a concentrated, more intense, more effective electronic version of yourself. It's a version of yourself that can get things done that you maybe can't get done as well as you would like to. A version of yourself that knows how to make you happy, perhaps more so than you even know how to make yourself happy. This is perhaps even creepier than the drop-in feature on the new Amazon show when you think about it. Because, one, what if it gets it wrong? What if the selvesware creates a highly intense, highly capable being who's not very much like us at all? Well, it should be a self-correcting process, meaning that as we interact with this entity, this assistant, it will become more and more like us and should correct to become more and more like us. But the other question is, what if it's so good that we decide to just, you know, let it kind of take front and center stage. After all, if your personal assistant is better at living your life than you are, getting better results for your life than you get, how motivated are you really going to be to keep pushing ahead and making your life happen yourself? It could be, and I hope that it will be, that all the initiative all the go get them, all the initial ideas for what needs to happen in our lives still has to come from us. So the plan, the strategy and the plan, they have to come from us. The execution and the tactics, they have to come from the personal assistant. In that model, that just makes us the designers of our lives with automation helping to fulfill what we want to achieve in our life. Even that might sound kind of creepy to some, but I think as long as we're working the creative end, at least, that's probably better than simply sitting back and telling the machine, you got this, go ahead, run my life for me. That would definitely be the somewhat scary part, and that would definitely be your iPhone not being a phone anymore. That would be a phone being something well 
well beyond a phone. Well, there it is. This is a short show, as I said, because it's just me. But I wanted to draw your attention to those three stories. Take a look at those and spend some time thinking about what our future might be. To what extent are our smartphones ourselves now? To what extent are they going to empower ourselves of the future? And to what extent will we actually realize some version of ourselves in those devices in the near future? Something to consider, something to be thinking about. As far as other geek, I've got a link here to a short movie called Raka, starring Sigourney Weaver, a movie about aliens occupying the Earth. Now, this is described as a short film, but I can't help but suspect upon watching it that the idea here was probably to put together more or less of a trailer. I feel like we're seeing a little part of a movie and that eventually a feature film is intended or will follow. I may have misunderstood that completely and that's why I wanted Stephen on the show tonight so much so he could set me straight in case I got that wrong. But check it out. What we do see is very cool. If this is all that ever exists of Raka, it will definitely have been worth watching. And uh, always great to see Sigourney Weaver interacting with hostile aliens. That's not a thing to miss. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of The World Transformed. Thank you all for being with us. We are going to be back, as I said, next week with two brand new shows, both with our very good friend PJ Manny. Look forward to being with you all then. And until next time, live to see it.